You see, you're here today. You're not just here for physical food, even though we're going to be feasting after this service. Maybe you are here for that. But okay. Um, but you should be here, not just for the food that we're going to eat. Amen. But you should be here for some spiritual food. You should be here for a rhema word. One word from God can change your life. You know, I could preach a whole message and you may not get nothing from it. And it might be just that last word that I give. So that means you've got to keep your switch of faith turned on. Are you listening? You've got to be listening. Jesus would say, those who have ears, hear what the Spirit of God is saying. What was he saying? He wasn't talking about physical ears. He was talking about spiritual ears. You've got to have a hunger to hear what God is saying to you. In the word. Amen. Praise God. And so and so Jesus said, men should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the sacrifice principle is putting God first. Uh, I, I like what it says in Hebrews 13, 15. And there's always a blessing. Can I say this again? There's always a blessing to sacrifice. You, you can't sacrifice without a blessing coming in. Without God, God blesses those that sacrifice. And some may say, well, I thought, I thought Jesus was the last sacrifice. Are you talking about that I should continue to sacrifice some things? Yes. <laughs> yes, Jesus is the final sacrifice, as in when they, in the Old Testament, they would sacrifice animals. And, and, and God had a sacrifice system to cover the people's sins. And, and so they would take, and, and then if they sinned, they would have to bring another. I mean, I'm telling you, they were slaughtering animals left and right in the Old Testament. But, you know, thank God that we don't have to do that. Thank God Jesus was, is the final sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Glory to God. So, so Jesus was, is the final sacrifice. But that doesn't mean that we can't still sacrifice some things for God. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? I believe that God, that the greatest blessing is on the altar of sacrifice. And so in Hebrews, uh, in, in uh, Hebrews uh, 13, 15, it says, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifices of praise to God. So this is Paul writing this. He said, therefore, by, uh, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifices of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, given thanks to his name. Hallelujah. Are you listening to what I'm saying today? So, so, so what, is, what is the blessing? What is the blessing that comes from giving God praise and thanksgiving? What, what is the blessing? Well, the blessing or the promise that comes from giving God thanksgiving and praise is perfect peace. How many people want to walk in some more peace? Well, you start doing some, sac you know, the Bible talks about sacrifices of praise. When you start praising God in the midst of your storm, I'm telling you, God's going to put some peace in your life. And I don't know about you, but I want some peace in my life. The Bible says, see, when you, when you magnify God, it demagnifies, if that's a word, demagnifies your problem. I make up words up here. Is that all right? Don't check the dictionary on me, all right? You demagnify your problem. When you magnify God, you demagnify 
your problem. That means you make your problem smaller. Amen. Are you hearing what I say to you today? Uh, I like this. In Psalms 51, 17, it says here, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. And you know, listen, what, what, what Psalmist David, what he wrote was, he, he, David sinned and he had, listen, when you sin and God reveals that you, there's areas in your life that you're a knucklehead in, are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? And there's and that you messed up. There should be some kind of remorse. There should be, you, you know, especially, you know, when you because because when we sin, we're actually hurting God. And we should have some kind of remorse about that. Well, oh, pastor, I'm under grace. I don't need to feel anything. You should feel a little remorse if you mess up. James actually talks about that in James. James was talking about some of the people in the church, and he and he called them sinners, <laughs> and he and he said and he said and he and he and he called them adulteresses and adulteresses. Wow, because they had friendship with the world, and he said, "You guys need to weep and mourn for your sin." James said that. Are you listening to what I'm saying today? In other words, we should have a godly sorrow for when we mess up, and so so he said, "There's a sacrifice of a broken and contrite heart." And, and, and so what, what's, the, what's the promise for that? Uh, forgiveness, and, and that's the promise. Forgiveness and restoration is a promise to repentance. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? That's the promise. I don't know about you, but I like that kind of promise. I like that when I can come to God and I'm in remorse. And they see, see, David was in a place where he, he sinned, but God forgave him. And David said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I thank God we don't have to stay in remorse about our sins. I thank God that God can forgive us and wash us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he can give us the joy back. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but don't let your sin of your past hold you back from the future that God has for you. Glory to God. Your sins are forgiven. They're washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? Jesus paid the full price for your sins, glory to God. You have the gift of righteousness. It was imputed to you. That's a weird word, imputed. It's an old English word. It was imparted to you. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You have the gift of righteousness. Your spirit is perfect in God. It's just that our souls got to, we, we need to work on our soul. And we need to work on our body. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? So it's okay to grieve over your sin, but don't keep grieving over it. You got to let it go like Paul had to let it go. He had to let go all the bad things he did in the past. And he had to keep moving forward. And we just need to keep moving forward. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lift up your heads, all ye gates. And be lifted up, you everlasting doors. So that the king of glory will come in. Who is the king of glory? The king strong and mighty. The king mighty in battle. Ooh, man, I'm getting a little excited this morning. Lift up your heads. Glory to God. We're not supposed to be slumped down as Christians. We need to lift our heads up. Glory to God. We're king's kids. Hallelujah. Say, I'm a king's kid. 
Glory to God. Ooh, I could drop the mic right now. Let's go eat. <laughs> Hallelujah. So let's continue here. So we're talking about sacrifice. Isn't sacrifice wonderful? But anyway, we're talking about sacrifice. And I like in Philippians 4.18. And the Philippians, um, they were a, a church that supported Paul financially. They were one of the very few churches that supported Paul financially, gave it out of, uh, out of their treasury to help Paul preach the gospel. And in 4.18, Philippians 4.18, it says, Indeed, I have all... Uh, indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Ephrodite the things sent from you. And then, then Paul says this, and it's a sweet smell and aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. So, so Paul was equating their giving uh, as a sweet smell and aroma unto the Lord, uh, a, a sweet sacrifice and he was, he was equating their giving as sacrifice, the Philippian church. So listen, I'm going to say this to you. When we give out of a heart of love, uh, it is like a sweet-smelling sacrifice unto the Lord. The Lord receives our gifts. You're not just, when you give to the church, you're not just giving to, to Exceed Life Church. You're giving to God. You're giving to God Almighty. Oh, you listen, it's not just a church and an organization. No, hopefully when you're tithing and giving offerings, you're giving it to God. And then Jesus takes it and he receives those tithes and offerings and he presents it to the Father and he pours you down a blessing. And what, what is the promise of giving? My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's a good promise in giving. In other words, you're not going to lack any good thing. When you are a giver and you start giving out of your treasury, uh, God will give you more and you give and it's like a cycle of blessing. And we're not supposed to hold on. We're supposed to give out. We need to be river Christians. We need to flow like a river and allow God's resources to flow through us, to flow through others, to bless other people. And it's a cycle. I call it the life cycle of blessing. And then the final sacrifice is our bodies. And we talked about that in Romans 12. When, I, I, you know, uh, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, which is your reasonable service of worship and and so really you your body doesn't belong to you it belongs to God it belongs to God twice over one by right of creation two by the blood of Jesus are you listening to what I'm saying and your body is a living sacrifice well what the problem is that we crawl off the altar when we when we present our bodies then we crawl off the altar because it's a living sacrifice we need to keep our bodies on the altar amen and how do you do that through prayer and fasting and what's the promise it fulfills the it fulfills the call of God on your life you, your body can get you knocked out of the call of God on your life amen and so fasting and prayer is communion with God. It produces special favor. And uh, I like that, that, uh, that, that Hebrews 11, 6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who casually seek him. Yes, who diligently seek him. So, so, so really, fasting and prayer is seeking God, is communion with God. And that produces favor. Uh, Jesus said when you fast in, in secret, God will 
uh, reward you openly. And so I, I don't know about you, but I like to be rewarded openly. I, I like what Daniel and we, we've been on that 21 day fast that, that Daniel went on. And uh, I, I like the fact that right at the very beginning when Daniel and his three friends, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, when, when they came in uh, uh, and they were being trained, they um, they did not want to eat the king's food. So the Bible said that they didn't want to eat, drink the king's wine or eat the king's food. And they just asked us to drink water and eat vegetables. They were basically on a fast. Somebody say, well, water and vegetables. Whoo, man, that's a fast. But anyway, and they were on a fast. And the, the Bible actually says that God did something for them. It says in Daniel 17 um, uh, that, that when they did that and made the commitment that they were going to be separated from the, the, that world system. And when you make a commitment that you separate yourself from this losing world system, God's going to do something in your life. God's going to give you special things. God's going to bless you. He's going to increase you. He's going to do some awesome things. And with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, it, it says in Daniel 17, and these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. I believe that Daniel was the leader. And I believe that he was probably the one that came up with the idea. Let's go ahead. And the three uh, friends said, okay, we're, we're going to follow Daniel's lead. And I, I believe that Daniel not only got all the blessings of literature and being able to, but he had the blessing of interpreting dreams. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't know about you, but I like added, added blessings. I, I, I like to have, have extra gifts in, in my, are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? I like to walk in extra gifts. I'm telling you, I still think God can place more gifts. I'm still waiting for the gift to sing. Glory to God. Amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? I'm pretty good in the shower. Hallelujah. But uh, I, I, I know when I get to heaven, I'm going to be a great singer. Glory to God. Hallelujah. But, 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 but special gifts. Amen. And so we know that. So, so, so when you fast and pray, God's, oh, and another thing they did was um, in 1920, the king examined all the people that uh, came in uh, and, uh, and Daniel and his three friends stood out. And the Bible said that God made them 10 times better than everybody else. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? In other words, we should be 10 times greater. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ten times. Your kids should be ten times wiser than the world. You should have ten times the giftings. Whatever you have should be multiplied tenfold. Are you hearing what This is Old Testament. Pastor, what? I'm not. This is Old. How much more can God do in New Testament Theology. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? God can do greater and more. Amen. And so, and so I want to talk to you. Uh, now I can get to my message. I want to, I, want, I want to talk to you about fasting for greater faith. Fasting for greater faith and greater authority. Now, now, now we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I don't, I know, don't send me a letter now, okay? But it just sounds good for my message today, all right? But <laughs> fasting for greater faith and greater authority. I'm going to explain this. No, I'll explain it. In Matthew 17, we're going to look at Matthew 17, 14 through 21. I'm going to try to get through this quickly, amen? Um, and it says here, 
And when they had come to the multitude, let me get up here. Glory to God. Because the lighting's better and it looks better on camera. Amen. And <laughs> I love coming down with you guys. But and when they had come, the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, so, so uh, a man came to Jesus, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, and this is what I want you to underline, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Now, Jesus actually didn't say that to the man. He was saying that to his disciples, his nine disciples that could not cast out this spirit out of this boy. It was a demonic spirit. We find that in another place uh, that it was a demonic spirit that this boy was under. And, and the... And, and the uh, and the disciples couldn't cast it out. And so what, what was going on was they were coming up against a brick wall. For some reason, their prayer wasn't working. Have you ever been there where your prayer's not working? Have you ever come up against a brick wall? It just seems like, why isn't it seem like anything moving? And so, so sometimes there's, there's reasons why, and then there, there are reasons, and we're going to continue to read here. And he says, oh, faithless and perverse generation. Faithless means they were lacking faith, and perverse means they were too connected to the natural. They were too connected to the world. So, so, so oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring them here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Because, see, they were amazed because Jesus already sent them out. They already had success. They already, they, they knew how to cast demons out. They were good at it. They went to houses and they said, man, even the demons are subject to, to, to your name uh, uh, when we pray for people. They, they had success already, but for some reason they came up against something that was a little bit more difficult. And then the disciples said privately, why couldn't we do this? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, be moved from here to there, and it will be moved. And nothing, say nothing, nothing, nothing will be impossible for you. So Jesus said, he took it down to just a mustard seed of faith. And he said, however... Jesus says, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And so, and so I, you know, you know I, one person said this way, that, this kind of demon. But another person uh, interpreted it this way, and it could be interpreted this way. Just work with me here. That this kind of unbelief may not come out through prayer and fasting. In other words, when you fast, you're, you're disconnecting from the world. Amen. And when you pray, you're connecting to God. And the closer you are to God, the more faith I believe you should walk in. Amen. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? The more real God is to you, the more real his promises are going to be to you. Amen. And that's why you're here in church today. Because hopefully God's becoming more real to you. Hopefully the reality of God is becoming more real and it's crystallizing in you. And you realize that there is a God in heaven. And that, that big God lives on the inside of you. 
and you are greater, that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So we see this, that, that, that he said this kind comes out through prayer and fasting. And so we, we need to focus on that, and we need to realize that, that, that as we disconnect to, from the world, as we connect to God, we can walk in a, a, a greater faith. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? A greater faith. Now, now, now this works hand in hand because I believe that they were lacking because faith brings authority. But you need to understand how authority works. A lot of people, see, if the devil's not minding you, if you're speaking to a pain and it's not leaving you, then, then there's, there's some, you're lacking some authority. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? And, and Jesus was ministering, and in Matthew chapter 8, he was ministering, and this, and this centurion came up to Jesus, and, and, and he, had a, he had a problem with his servant. And this centurion uh, said to Jesus, uh, you know, I'm a man under authority. And he says, I, I tell this man to do this because he told Jesus, Jesus said, I'll come to heal the man. And, and, and the centurion said, no, you don't have to come heal him. Just speak the word. And, and then that's when he said, I understand how faith, I understand that, that Jesus, the centurion was saying, I understand that you're operating under some mighty authority. You're, you're operating some authority because obviously this centurion heard the stories, seen Jesus heal, healing the blind, the lame, raising the dead. He was walking in some authority. But see, the, the, how did Jesus walk in this authority? The only way he walked in this authority, he was submitted to God. In other words, you submit under God. See, Jesus was 100% submitted to God. And because Jesus said, what I do, I always do what my father tells me to do. Jesus never operated independently of himself. See, if we were 100% submitted to God, man, you'd be raising the dead. You, 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 man, your kid's sick, bam, they'll be healed. Why? Because it, it wouldn't take a couple days. It's amazing. You, know, you pray, pray for them, bam. Why? Because you're 100% submitted under the Father. Jesus was 100% submitted under the Father. When those disciples tried to cast the demon out of that boy, they started probably taking turns and, and said, in the name of Jesus, come out. Nothing happened. In the name of Jesus, hey, you want to try? And then they kept trying. They said, oh, I ain't working. They walked away. Listen, when you got faith, you don't walk away. You stay in the fight until it happens. You don't let go of your faith. You stay in there until you see the promise of God manifested in that situation. Daniel stayed in the fight 21 days. And I believe it would have, listen, we could have been doing a 40-day fast if it said it in the Bible. Because I believe he would have done it for 40 days. I believe Daniel would have went beyond 21 days. It just took 21 days for the angel to break through that demonic force that was trying to keep the answer from coming to him. Yes, there are demonic forces that are working against us, but the greater one is with us. And when we start standing and we start doing something physical to produce a spiritual result, God will move. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? I'm telling you, in the Old Testament, uh, 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 Moses was in a fight with the Amalekites, and, and God told him that he had to lift his arms up. 
And, you know, and, and when he lifted his arm, when his arms came down, uh, the Israelites were losing the battle. But when his arms went up, they were winning the battle. I don't know if you remember that story. He was doing something physical to produce spiritual power in, in, the, in the natural world. And, and same thing with us. When we do something physical, it can produce spiritual power. It can increase, I believe, the power of good on our side. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? And so I'm going to say this. I, I don't want you just to uh, quit, quit fasting. Well, that's for 21 days for the year. I'm not going to do any less fasting. I'm going to do the rest of feasting. No, listen. I want you to, to consider fasting some more. You Listen, reason why Jesus fasted in the wilderness, it wasn't just for him to have a spiritual victory for himself. It was for him to do ministry. When he came out of that fast, the Bible says he came out in the power of the Spirit. And I'm telling you, God's going to put the power of his Spirit on your life to, for you to affect a lost and a dying world. God's calling each one of us. We're coming out of this fast, not just for ourselves. We're coming out in the power of the spirit of the living God. And I'm telling you, you start, you start talking to people. I'm, I'm talking to people. I was, I see like every day I'm talking to somebody about the Lord. I was in Sam's the other day and I'm praying that God will open the door. And the lady was there. I said, do you have a church home? No, I don't have a church home. I said, well, well, you, you need a church home. Here's a car. She says, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I work all the time. But I said, you doing all right. You need some prayer. Oh yeah. My, my, my son's in jail. I'm going through all this turmoil. And I said, well, let me pray for you. And I prayed for her. I'm telling you, God touched her. Glory to God. God touched her and God touched me. That's what it's all about. When we start looking for needs and we start praying for people and we start seeing people blessed, set free by the power of God, then our soul's going to prosper. And I'm telling you, we're going to be walking like kings. We're going to be walking like mighty victors because we have purpose and we are doing the purposes of God in our lives. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you today? Start praying that God will give you opportunities to minister his goodness on his behalf. Allow this fasting prayer to propel you into ministry. We're all called to be ministers. You're all ministers. You're all called to, I can't do it all, glory to God. That's why I have some, like my wife said yesterday, she said, why don't you get some people to help you? I said, that's a good idea. I was going to call her Jethro. Amen. Who was Jethro? Well, wasn't he the father-in-law of Moses? And Moses was trying to do everything. And the advice said, why don't you get some help? And I said, yeah, yeah, maybe I could probably get more done with some more help. Glory to God. I'm enjoying it myself. But all right, well, I'll, I'll get some people involved. Glory to God. And we'll get a team out here. And we'll, and we'll kick the devil right out of Virginia Beach. How many people want to kick the devil right out of Virginia? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you got the power. Just this small group can turn Virginia Beach upside down. Do you believe that today? Just this small group. The 12 disciples. Jesus just had 12. Glory to God, we have more than 12 in here. Glory to God. I'm telling you, this small group can turn Virginia Beach and the Tidewater area or Hampton Roads area upside down. You believe that today? Praise God. Are you ready to move forward in God? 
Are you ready to press in and see the glory of God? I believe and I'm going to confess that this year is going to be a Ephesians 3.20 year. You're going to have abundantly above more than you can ask or think according to the power that works within you. We would like to invite you to join us Sunday morning at Virginia Beach SDA Church located at 4136 Holland Road, Virginia Beach, Virginia. Service starts at 10.30 a.m. Nursery and Children's Church provided. This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and the Congregation of Exceed Life Church. For more information, visit us at www.exceedlifechurch.org.